Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're gonna get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 17, we learned that the Cayenne would be going to battle by early summer. In this episode, Chapter 18, the Orin begin their journey to Imperior, and things heat up between Alice and Vivin. Just a quick disclaimer, this episode contains more adult themes than usual, so listener discretion is advised. Alright, let's dive in. His friends knew he was downhearted about something, but their excitement at seeing him quickly drew him out of his shell. His mother was so happy to see him, she struggled to hold back tears. Seb towered over her now. She felt so fragile in his big arms. She asked to see Nocte, and the massive fledgling was overjoyed to see his old friend. Maria was fond of the handsome dragon. She missed the days where he would curl up at her feet near the fire. Nocte wouldn't fit in their living room anymore, let alone make it through the front door. Seb knocked on Fauna's door, and she leapt into his arms when she saw him. She covered him in kisses, and he ignored the pain from his shoulder, which was still healing. Even though it was chilly and snow was attempting to fall, Fauna asked to go for a ride on Nocte. Not far, just far enough to be alone, and in silence. The black opal dragon landed in a field and tucked his paws underneath him, and Seb and Fauna stayed seated on the dragon. Nocte kept his head raised so Seb could lean against his long neck, and he held Fauna in his arms. They sat in silence for a long while, appreciating each other's presence. Sebastian was the first one to break it. Fauna, he murmured, tugging her hat down gently to cover her pink ears better. The Orin are being summoned along with the other Cayenne to the capital, for battle. And when we're there, they're going to put me and Nocte through some tests to see if I'm the Great Tamer. He went on to answer her worried questions as best he could. When she had finished, he asked, Will you still love me if I return broken from this battle? Fauna turned in his arms, her gray eyes passionate and sincere. She stroked his stubbled jaw and kissed his reddened nose. I'm going to love you for as long as I live. And if you return to me a mess, I'll fix you. And if I can't fix you, I'll stay by you. That would make me selfish, Seb whispered, squeezing her gloved hand. You deserve someone who is ready-made to stand strong and helpful at your side. She took his face in her hands, brushing his dark eyelashes tenderly. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to go to the capital. You're going to be declared the Great Tamer, and you're going to help the prince win the battle against the Nin. Then... She kissed him softly, letting her lips linger near his. Then, you're going to come back here and sweep me off my feet and take me away from this little town. And you're going to do all of this the only way you know how, with all of your quiet, passionate heart, Seb. She kissed him deeply, soothing his anxiety. And then, you're going to marry me. Am I now? Seb smirked, pulling her in tightly. You'd better, Fauna laughed, her fair cheeks rosy from the cold. So see, you have to return from battle. 
Otherwise, you'll disappoint me. I'd never dare let that happen, Sebastian chuckled. Fauna's smoky gaze sobered. Seb, promise me you're going to return. I promise you. Wherever I go, however far, for however long, I'm always going to come back to you. They sat gazing into each other's eyes for a moment. Then Nocte relaxed his neck, and they tumbled off of him into the snow. They burst out laughing, and Nocte leapt to his feet, swishing his tail playfully. Seb assisted Fauna to her feet, then formed a snowball and threw it at his dragon. Nocte shied away, raising his wings in defense. Fauna joined in, and Nocte blasted the snowballs with short bursts of flame, prancing in the crunchy snow. The dragon pounced in front of Fauna, startling her. Sebastian stepped between them, taking a hold of the dragon's muzzle, firmly yet gently. Easy with her, boy. Seb pet his fledgling, then playfully shoved him away. He ran and Nocte bound after him, jumping onto his tamer with his front paws into his back. Seb toppled into the snow and turned over, and Nocte straddled the young man, his forepaws on either side. His long tail swished, and he flicked his tongue, and Seb laughed. You silly dragon. He vigorously rubbed Nocte's face between his hands and pushed himself to his feet. Nocte's chest rumbled, and Fauna giggled, batting away the snow from Seb's back. Before he left to return to the Orin, his friend celebrated his 17th birthday a couple of weeks early. The morning he left, his mother held his face in her hands. Look how far I have to reach you now, she said softly, admiring her nearly full-grown son. Seb touched her hands gently, at peace to have his mother near him. I'll never forget how sweet you were as a little boy, always so eager to please everyone. Maria struggled again to hold back tears from her honey-brown eyes, the same eyes she gave to her only child. Be careful, Sebby, wherever you go. I worry about you, every minute of every day. Don't, Mom. Seb took her hands and kissed them affectionately. I'll be careful. Maria couldn't help but notice the faded pink scars on Seb's hands and felt a tremor of worry inside of her but she released his worn, youthful hands nevertheless. Nocte could no longer visit Spirialor's grave. He could only circle above while Seb spoke quietly to the frozen earth. He brushed away the snow from atop the headstone. Dad, if all goes well, I'm going to be able to come back here in a couple of months and talk to you again. If it doesn't, I'm going to talk to you in person if there is such a thing. He knelt in front of the stone in the deep snow, ignoring how chilled it made him. Please watch over me. He smiled softly suddenly. I wonder if you went on any adventures quite like this, Dad. When Seb and Nocte returned to camp, they were promptly informed that the foot soldiers of the king's army were marching to relieve them. Vivin added that he finally wrote a letter to the Dragon Tamer's council, informing them of Sebastian's potential as the Great Tamer. The Orin held their breaths for Seb's response. 
With a confident nod, he said, I'm ready for whatever comes. The arrival of the soldiers would be any day now, and the camp was tidied and ready for the officers to take up temporary residence in the cabins. Bags were packed, and the dragons were eager to start their journey. It would take four or so days to reach Imperior by dragon. To release some of the energy caused by the excitement of the summons, the Orns split into two groups for a practice round of Dungeons and Dragons. Each team had a leather ball assigned to them to protect, and they were allowed to hide it wherever they liked. The objective was to capture the other team's ball without being caught. If a player was caught, they would have to join the other side. Sebastian, Oraini, Vivin, and Alice were on one team, and the other five formed another. The team with one less player had the advantage of starting their search five minutes early. Vivin and Alice stayed behind to protect their ball, and Oraini and Seb went out to scout ahead. He had just celebrated his birthday. He was 17 now, and so much changed since he joined them. They didn't have to worry about him searching for the enemy ball on his own. The April weather had thawed the wintry blanket of snow, leaving ice and snow patches and fresh grass. Kaylee stood nearby her tamer while Ember flew above, searching for the enemy hiding place. Kaylee wasn't fond of the soft, squishy ground, and Vivin noticed her displeasure. Why don't you go search with Ember and the others? We'll be all right here. Kaylee hesitated. You should keep a dragon with you. I'll let you know if there's trouble. Truthfully relieved, the blush-colored dragon spread out her wings and took off, leaving the humans to protect the ball. Sending Kaylee off so you could have me to yourself? Alice teased, her hand on the hilt of her sword. Vivin glanced at her. Her cheeks and nose were rosy from the spring chill, and she had her typical cheerful air about her. She grinned at him, and he looked away, feeling warmth spread to his neck and cheeks. Figured me out, did you? Alice laughed, taking a few steps away from the dense hoary bush where they kept their ball. A clearing stretched in front of them, icy and no doubt treacherous. It was perfect for preventing their enemies from charging them. I wouldn't go too far. The ice is slick this time of year, Vivin warned. Alice shrugged purposefully sliding across the wet, melting ice patches. Vivin watched her with an amused smile. Suddenly, a dragon appeared overhead. It was Zan. His dragon touched down in the field, and Alice fearlessly ran to meet him, and Vivin carefully made his way. Though, he didn't stray too far from the ball. After all, one of Zan's teammates could be planning to sneak behind them while he caused a scene. Alice shooed away Zan, who promised to return with reinforcements. Alice began gliding back to Vivin, her balance shaky. Vivin barely had the word, careful, past his lips before she slipped and fell on her backside with a groan. Vivin hurried to meet her, offering his hand. Are you all right? He asked as he helped her to her feet. I'm fantastic, she grumbled, her tailbone aching. She started to slip again, and Vivin held her fast, pressing her to him instinctively. Alice looked up at him with her deep blue eyes, his chocolate-brown eyes holding her gaze steadily. He was so tall. Her eye level only reached his shoulders. Alice's cheeks flushed as she realized she had been holding her breath. 
Vivian's gaze wavered, and he stooped suddenly, kissing her deeply. Alice gripped his coat tightly, kissing back. They pulled away for a brief moment, their hearts racing. Alice went on her tiptoes to kiss him again, but something above caught Vivian's eye, and he stepped back. Alice instantly moved away, following Vivian's gaze. Three dragons came into view, and the captains drew their swords. All three were from the opposing team. They fought briefly on the ground, leaving their dragons out of it for the moment. Moments later, Nocte landed behind them, and Seb raced towards them with the enemy ball under his arm. Hey guys, I got... He lost his footing and managed to turn in the air before falling, crashing onto his back and sliding on the ice. He held the ball over his head and huffed with a winded voice, I got it. The day the army arrived, the Tamers set out to Imperior. They agreed to spend two of the three nights in an inn or tavern, though Vivin said it was character-building to spend one chilly night in tents. They stayed in flight for four hours straight the first day, rested for an hour, then continued on for several more hours. The first night was spent roughing it. Only Griff complained, since he was eager for a visit to a tavern. The land was beginning to bloom below as spring started to take its full effect. Seb was constantly amazed at the beauty beheld from Nocte's back. Rhydon was a massive country, from the Eurus forest that spread for kilometers and kilometers to the sea beyond, to the endless farmer's fields. Towns were nestled between the fields and forests in a cozy way. The following day, they stopped to spend the night in Baskin Town, which was known for its revelry. They carried their saddles and bags to the rooms in the Travel Light Inn, and all but Vivin headed to the nearest pub. He settled for dinner at the inn itself. He had no wish to share in the shenanigans of his younger companions. Vivin read a book in his room, which to his delight was his alone. The others were bunked two to a room, leaving him the odd man out. A fire crackled behind an iron grate, and light was cast from several lanterns. Vivin rubbed a ring between his fingers as he read, his thoughts wandering. It was getting late when his door opened, he hadn't locked it yet, and Alice stepped in. Her cheeks were quite flushed, and Vivin stashed the ring in his pocket immediately. She walked over to where he sat in a chair near the fire, and he noticed her stumble slightly. His suspicions were confirmed when she straddled his lap without a second of hesitation, alcohol strong on her breath. Vivin winced slightly. Rates above did her breath reek of liquor. Been having fun? Vivin asked uncomfortably. I'd say so. Alice took off Vivin's reading glasses and placed them on the side table. It would have been more fun if you came. You know why I don't. Alice gazed at him with a half-pout. I know, but still. She leaned in for a kiss, and Vivin turned his head slightly. What? Playing hard to get? Vivin stood, lifting her from his lap with ease. He set her on the ground and brushed past her to the door. Come on. Alice gave him a confused look as he placed his hand on the brass knob. What, are you serious? 
I am, Vivin said resolutely. Alice walked slowly over to the door. Then you don't want to, she said, bewildered. Vivin's jaw tensed. He was terribly uncomfortable with the situation. It's not a matter of want and not wanting. What is it then? Alice folded her arms across her chest. She was wearing a thin white shirt, and the light cast from the fire and lanterns didn't leave much to the imagination. Vivin cleared his throat. <clears throat> I'd rather you just left. Vivin, what's wrong with you? Alice was visibly hurt now. Am I not good enough or something? No, I'd just prefer it if this happened when you were sober, he replied coolly. She gazed at him with fire in her eyes. Sober? How drunk do you think I am? Drunk enough to come here and sit on my lap. Isn't that what you want? Alice challenged. So what if I've had a few drinks? Vivin sighed heavily. Allie, can you just go, please? He went to turn the knob, and Alice placed her hand over his. No, I'm offended now, and we're going to talk this out. You're offended. Vivin removed his hand from the knob, his annoyance clearly evident. How do you think it feels to have someone come to you when they're drunk, looking for a little fun? That's not what this is, Alice exclaimed, feeling more hurt by the second. What is it then? Vivin rose his voice and backed her against the wall. I'm not the type of person to take advantage of these situations, but imagine if I was. He towered over her with one of his hands against the wall. Alice gazed up at him defiantly. A small woman like you busts into a man's room, drunk, and he doesn't touch you. That's rare. For Cayenne's sake, Vivin, I want you to touch me, Alice cried angrily. And I'm not some helpless girl, you know that. Vivin leaned in, both of his hands on the wall now. His tall, solid, dark figure would be intimidating to most. It would be easy for me to take advantage of the situation if I wanted to. Would it? Alice growled, glancing down at his stomach. Vivin saw that a dagger was being held at his waist, and he instantly backed off. I was raised by Cayenne from the time I was seven years old, and I've been handling bigger, stronger, and far drunker men than you've ever been since I was thirteen. Her eyes watered, and she sheathed the dagger. What's wrong with you, Vivi? Vivin felt his ire flicker and wane, but he gripped it still. If I slept with you now, when you're not yourself, and you woke up in the morning regretting it, you would feel awful, and I'd be nothing more than a beast. And if you'd come to me without having a few too many first, this would have been a completely different night. Alice's jaw twitched, and she struggled to hold back tears. Maybe I needed a drink or two to have enough courage to come here in the first place. Vivin was taken aback. You're one of the most brave, fearless people I know. Why would you need a drink for that? He stepped forward, and she smacked him in the chest. You know what, Vivin? You're an asshole. You're the one who asked me to dance and boffed, and you're the one who kissed me last week. She smacked him again, and Vivin began to regret being hard on her. If a woman comes to your room, and she obviously has feelings for you, you don't tell her she's being a drunk idiot and push her away. Alice swung open the door, 
absolutely livid. Good night. She went out and slammed the door, and Vivian immediately opened it behind her. Don't follow me, she shouted over her shoulder, taking out the key to her own room just down the hall. Vivian didn't listen. He couldn't leave it like this. He couldn't stand to have her this angry at him. He jogged after her and pushed open her door as she was about to close it. They were alone. Orani wasn't back from the pub yet. Go away, Alice growled, trying her hardest not to cry. No, we've let this go on long enough. You say you're not too drunk to fool around, so you're sober enough to talk. Fair? Vivin asked, working on lowering his voice and calming down. Alice nodded, and he continued. I'm sorry for being harsh about this, but I can't stand the idea that you potentially put yourself at risk. If I was a different man, you could have... But you're not different, Alice protested. You're you, and you'd never hurt me, would you? She stepped forward and placed a hand on his thick arm, settling down. I couldn't imagine hurting you. And I wouldn't wake up regretting my decision. You need to trust, Alice looked up at him, that I know what I'm doing. I'm an adult, and I know what I want. I know how to be safe. And I'm sorry, she mumbled, if it came off that I'd only sleep with you if I had a buzz on. Vivin was holding her now, nearly as close as they had been in the field the previous week. I was worried that if I attempted anything sober, that I'd mess it up. But that backfired. She blushed. This isn't how I wanted this to go. How did you want it to go? Vivin's deep voice murmured. He was holding her closely enough that she could feel the vibration his voice made in his chest. Alice hesitated, and as soon as she opened her mouth to speak, they heard someone run down the hall outside of the door. They both looked at the wooden door curiously, but Vivin didn't let go of her. They heard someone pound on a door down the hall, then run back toward them. They both jumped when the knock hit Alice's door. Vivin released her and motioned for her to stay put, and answered the door. Kirik stared at Vivin in surprise, knowing it was Alice's room. He quickly regained his focus. I hope I'm not interrupting anything but the troublesome trio is at it again. What did they do? Vivin groaned, knowing his conversation with Alice would have to be put on hold. They started a bar fight and got themselves arrested, Kirk replied, pressing his lips firmly together. What? Vivin said incredulously. Even Seb? Kirk looked away and nodded. Seb's the one who instigated the fight. Vivin stared at him. He couldn't be serious. I tried to bail them out, but they wouldn't release them without one of you present. He glanced past Vivin to Alice, who was also shocked. I'll grab my ID. Vivin hurried off to his room. Captains of the Cayenne had a special crest to identify themselves with. Naturally, it was seldom used since the Cayenne knew who their group leaders were. However, it was useful around civilians. Alice learned from Orani, Alice let Vivin handle the boys, who returned shortly afterward what happened. 
The Orin had a table together, and the night continued its mirthfulness after Alice ducked out. The table next to them, however, began to slander tamers. The Orin ignored them, since it was unfortunately a common occurrence. The trouble began when the unfriendly table insulted and mocked dragons. Seb was visibly irked, and his teammates urged him to ignore the table. The instant the word worm was uttered, Seb pushed back his chair and went over to the table, demanding that anyone who had a problem with dragons should meet him outside. Instead, he was met with a drunken fist and hit the man back. Chaos erupted and Garday and Kirik ushered the ladies outside, but Griff and Zan leapt to Seb's aid. Vivin didn't return to Alice that night. He did manage to bail the young man out, however, and they continued their journey to the capital. Griff and Zan both had cut lips, and Seb had a bruise on his left cheekbone. Not quite the first impression Vivin hoped Seb would make to the council. They had one more night before reaching the city, and they stayed at the Stray Hare Tavern. Vivin ordered Seb to stay in his room, to which Seb replied, Permission to be antisocial? It's like a second birthday. Vivin and Kirk bunked in the same room so Garde could have a private night, and Alice and Vivin didn't get the chance to speak to each other. The following morning, the Oren met in the long hallway where they were lodging, waiting for Griff to get up. Seb and Zan were suppressing laughter, and Vivin raised an eyebrow at them. What did you two do? The young men shook their heads, biting their lips. You didn't happen to go out last night when I told you not to, did you, Seb? Vivin asked pointedly. Seb shared a look with Zan, who replied, We may have pulled a prank on Griff. He was getting kind of rowdy and cocky with the ladies the other night. So last night, we waited until he got pissed drunk, found the biggest, manliest, drunkest guy we could find, and bribed him to crash with Griff. There wasn't time for chastising. Suddenly, there was a horrified cry from Griff's room. The bewildered tamer ran out of his room half-dressed, his pants in his hands. Zan called out, Did you have fun last night? Griff paled, and Seb and Zan burst out laughing. The hungover tamer pulled on his pants, conscious of his female co-workers looking away. What in the name of Cayenne did you let me do? Zan and Seb giggled, and the man they had bribed stepped into the hall and planted his hand on Griff's shoulder as he walked past. He was head and shoulders taller than Griff, with a thick beard and shaggy hair. Thanks, I had a good time. Griff looked like he was going to be sick, and the amused stranger winked at Seb and Zan as he walked past. If Griff didn't look so severely traumatized, his twin would have been in stitches. Come on, Griffy. It was a joke. We didn't pay him enough to touch you. The Oren laughed, and Griff glared daggers at his brother. You're such an asshole. Hey, it was Seb's idea. I just did the talking. Zan threw up his hands, and Vivin sighed in, albeit amused, disappointment. You couldn't prank somebody else, he grumbled, returning to his room to grab his saddle and bag. He recovered almost instantly because when he returned, he caught Garde's date leaving his room. She was pretty enough that he whistled when she was out of earshot. He nodded after her, 
Seb. That's what you're missing by being monogamous. Sebastian, who was whistling softly and rocking gently on his feet, flicked his aloof gaze to his teammate. You know what else I'm missing out on by being monogamous? Venereal diseases. Kirik and Zan both burst out laughing, and Griff blushed deeply. Shut up, Seb. Seb grinned at Garde. Not that your friend would have anything. She looked a million times better than who Griff brings home. Griff hung his head in defeat as his friends cracked up. You know what, Seb? I love you, but you're an asshole too. I know I am, Seb laughed. As they headed out to their dragons, Vivin walked next to Sebastian. That was funny, I'll give you that, but I'm still not pleased at you for going out. Seb inclined his head, genuinely remorseful for disobeying his elder. I know, I'm sorry. I just couldn't sit still last night. Vivin couldn't blame him. They would be arriving at the palace in Imperior shortly after noon, and Seb would be met by many faces, some friendly, some not. Then maybe you could have asked Kirikurai to go for a walk or something. Vivin was determined to stand his ground. Yeah, maybe it was irresponsible to choose Zan as my chaperone, Seb grinned dryly. He appeared confident and relatively at ease, with his broadsword at his hip and his saddle over his shoulder. He whistled softly, something he tended to do when his thoughts were wandering. Are you nervous? Vivin asked quietly as they saddled their dragons. About what? Seb blinked, aloof as ever. Vivin shook his head to end the conversation. There was no need to worry the boy if he wasn't thinking about the long day he had ahead. Thanks for listening to Chapter 18 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable. I hope you're having as much fun listening to the podcast as I am creating it. This is the first reminder to send in your questions for the Q&A episode between chapters 20 and 21. If you have any questions about the podcast, the story, or anything in between, please DM me on Instagram or Facebook at a DTF podcast or email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons.